Welcome to Val Pals. I'm Robert Flippo. And I'm Tyler Welter. And today we're talking about the fifth Val Kilmer movie. That's right, five Val Kilmer movies that we've watched so far. The fifth one is called Kill Me Again. I had never heard of it before starting this podcast. Um, but we watched it. And to give you a brief recap of what we're doing at Val Pals, we're watching every Val Kilmer movie in chronological order, week by week, finding some self-help advice along the way, and hopefully we're going to become better people by the end of this. So uh, we'll start out with talking about the lessons that we learned last week and if we were able to put those into practice. I know my advice from last week was to tell the people in your life that you love them, which is sadly something that I've struggled with, (laughs) which... (laughs) It's kind of something we a lot of us are struggling with, though. Yeah. At first, when you said it, I was thinking like family, and I'm like, oh, I talk to those people. Those people. <laughs> uh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was like, oh yeah, my friends. I love those people. I don't talk to them ever. Yeah. So I uh, texted a couple old buddies that I've been needing to text for months. All right. I think. I'm going to have to expand this and try and do that this next week in text, just like friends and stuff. I feel like I cheated a little bit and that it was Easter weekend and like my mom came into town and I had this like other external thing making me text my family to be like, happy Easter, P.S. I love you. Like, and then it was like, ah, mark that off the box, texted my family that I love them. I didn't even call them. I just texted them. So I think maybe I've got some work to do still. <laughs> the process. We're on the right just, track. Uh, to put yourself out there more. And uh, that's another one that's kind of, you have to see the opportunity. So I'll try to keep that in mind for the weeks to come. Yeah, that's definitely not as, uh, not quite as practical to be putting into use as telling everyone that you love them. But it is uh, something good to keep in mind. And I know, like, the closest I can say that I've done to that this week is as far as putting myself out there kind of career-wise and making sure that I'm uh, taking active steps to kind of keep my comedy career on track and not get lazy with what I'm doing. And I've been pretty lazy in the fact that I have this show that I'm producing that's next week, and a key element of that is filmed sketches, and I have not yet filmed my sketch. And a big problem was needing to find a, uh, a location for it. So this week I finally just kind of was like, all right, I need to call these people, talk to them, and hopefully I'll be able to use the location. And because of Al Kilmer, I had the gumption to call and get a location for my sketch. So once again, we owe it to Val for for that. Thank you, Val. And now we get to move on to everyone's favorite part of the show, maybe, I don't know, Val Kilmer trivia. It's the best. I went and looked up some Wikipedia trivia for Val Kilmer, and apparently we basically owe the fact that Kevin Spacey is an actor to Val Kilmer, because Wikipedia says on Inside the Actor Studio, Kevin Spacey says a turning point in his life was seeing Val Kilmer in a production and learning that he went 
to Chatsworth High School. And so Kevin Spacey transferred there. And then he went to Juilliard because Val Kilmer went to Juilliard. So Kevin Spacey's entire acting career is due to Val Kilmer. Uh, I like from that that Kevin Spacey is just like us and that seeing <laughs> Val Kilmer in a production completely changed his life. So there we go. We're just following in the footsteps of the greats, both Val Kilmer and Kevin Spacey. I think we too can look forward to Kevin Spacey level fame. <laughs> I mean, if House of Cards keeps going on long enough, surely we'll get a bit part in it. <laughs> It, it will if we talk up this movie enough, because uh, the director, John Dahl, has directed a couple of those House of Cards. What? Yeah. So this is kind of sneak peeking, but uh, our John Dahl trivia, he's the director of this movie. It was his first movie. He uh, did a couple more movies. In fact, his next one, his follow-up, starred in Nick Cage because Francis Ford Coppola liked Kill Me Again so much. <laughs> <laughs> he got Nick Cage to be in it. Then he did a couple. He did Rounders. This is the only, to me, notable movie he did. Okay. And then he's become a TV director in like all of the best shows, like an episode of Breaking Bad, United States of Terry of Terra, Battlestar Galactica, an obscene number of Dexter episodes, The Americans, Ray Donovan, Justified, all of them essentially. That's incredible, and kind of makes sense because my takeaway from this movie was that. It felt like a made-for-TV movie. So if he went on to direct a lot of TV, then it's just right in his wheelhouse. Yeah. But I guess with with that, we'll move into talking about the movie Kill Me Again. And that's pretty much my initial thought is please kill me and kill me again. Because Thank this you movie... for saying it so I didn't have to. <laughs> because this movie was a trip. It's only like an hour and a half, and it Thank felt God. longer than Willow. <laughs> I I didn't think it was the worst. I came in here expecting this to be the first bad movie we covered, but I don't think it was necessarily bad. It was definitely like very mediocre. Yeah. But you know, it kept moving somewhat. A couple things happened. Val Kilmer was in it. <laughs> there was Val Kilmer, and. I did note the fact that we once again see Val Kilmer shirtless. <laughs> so we're at four in a row right now, which is a pretty good streak. And at least I, we never confirmed on the other one. Yeah, I was trying to look it up, and so now I've just got Val Kilmer shirtless in my browser history, which, surprised that it wasn't there before, but it's there now. And I guess I, I am just going to have to watch Top Secret one more time to see if he's shirtless in it. But yeah, the whole, like... The whole movie, it makes sense knowing that this was the director's first movie because the entire time I was wondering, what is this director doing? Why is he settling for these performances? Because the performances from everybody were kind of terrible, other yeah. than Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen delivers. He. This is just what he does. I was like, can we start a podcast about him now? Because... Val Kilmer was a little bit of a letdown in this film, and Michael Madsen was great. Every time he was on screen, it like lifted up my spirits. I was happy to be watching the movie. And then he would just go away, go away forever. Yeah, for extended periods of time, long enough for me to forget that he was in it. And then he would come back, and I'd be like, yes! Michael Madsen's in this movie again. So He's been in so many movies, but I only remember him, because I watched this today, this movie, uh, Thelma and Louise, and... Reservoir Dogs? 
Yeah, I... So two out of the three movies I know Michael Madsen from today, he ties a person to a chair, <laughs> tortures them, and kills them. That's some interesting typecasting. <laughs> I wonder if he's just really good at knots. I wonder if Tarantino saw this movie. That's a good question. I was actually kind of wondering that myself. If Francis Ford Coppola saw this movie, I assume every director has seen this movie. Yeah. Okay, so I had not heard of this movie before. I'm assuming a lot of people have not heard of this movie before. Val Kilmer plays a like washed-up private detective... His wife at the time plays a, like, crazy woman who's the girlfriend of Michael Madsen. The movie starts, they get some money, they uh, shoot a guy, steal the money, and then the entire plot of this movie is based on the fact that she wants to go to Las Vegas, and he wants to go be safe and, like, hide out for a while because they stole the mob's money. And he's like, let's go hide out. And she's like, but I want to go to Vegas. And I, it really made me question if this movie was like paid for by the Vegas Tourism Board or something like that. In her defense, Madsen wanted to hide out in Idaho. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I'm just, just saying. But like, go to Idaho for a little while, then go to Vegas when it calms down a little bit. But that was just like... I think that's what really turned me off for the rest of the movie. I was like, really, that's what we're going to have the whole thing hinge on is the fact that she just really wants to go to Vegas. Uh, so this is like a noir film, but unlike any other I'd ever seen, it had no secrets from you. Yeah. It was like the least mysterying film ever. For a while, I was like, oh, this is kind of refreshing. I just know everything. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I realized, <laughs> no, that's not good. <laughs> There's a brief moment where we're like, I am the god of noir. I know everything. And then it's, like, a, it's a new interesting angle to just not have any fun. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a great new kind of movie making where you just don't enjoy the experience of watching it at all. It's, it's a new angle we're trying out. Trust me. Coppola's going to love it. He's got Jack coming up soon. So... <laughs> Uh, I think he's like, he was making Tucker at this time. <laughs> he's like cars and water. I'm in. <laughs> oh, then it reminds me of like my only humorous observation of the movie itself was how critical rocks were to the plot of this film. Yeah, he <laughs> shows up twice in a big way, and then he uses he finds one and uses it to get the car into the lake after yeah. fake killing her, and then she escapes from Michael Madsen at the beginning by. Getting one that was propping open the door, yet not actually, because the door doesn't move. Yeah, the door doesn't move at all. Um, <laughs> she sneaks into him behind him very loudly. <laughs> she just walks up behind him, and he's like, I'm being in a urinal. The person I'm holding at gunpoint surely isn't the one who's walking up behind me. <laughs> and she just clobbers him in the head. Oh, man. I love... There's some, like, terrible insert shots in this movie and the first one that i noticed was whenever she's like trying to figure out a way to escape and then it does insert shot of her looking at this rock and this like da -da -da music happens where she's like a rock that's what i'll use and it's amazing
I I love that moment of realization <laughs> that she had of like this rock is the key. I spent like most of this movie not realizing it was Joanne Whaley from last week. Yeah. I attribute that to her no longer having red hair because that seemed to be what I remembered of her last week. That and oh. the crazy armor. So seeing her in a dress and tops that all, each and every one of them had a malfunctioning right <laughs> strap. I don't know what it was about a wardrobe that yeah. every single item in it just couldn't quite hang on to her right shoulder. But yeah. I'd, I was like, wait a minute. I recognize you. Yeah. I definitely found myself not as attracted to her when she was out of armor. So there's like a little bit of my 15 year old self still hanging around i'm like yeah chicks in armor that's the thing let's go to that renaissance fair especially unrealistic armor yeah. that we like to make fun of <laughs> apparently it does its job and i i did note that once again she is the recipient of the hold forcefully down and kiss move Maneuver. which is uh a little bit creepy so yeah it's kind of unsettling with that one what else about this movie? I feel like so little happens. Yeah. It's hard to even banter about. Um, I have notes about two weird sex scenes in this movie. One of which is what I would consider the weirdest premature ejaculation imagery I've ever seen. In which they're faking her death. And so Val Kilmer has this like bag of blood. And then... She's all drunk, and she's trying to, like, she's like, yeah, we're faking my death, but I also want to hook up with you right now. And so she, like, starts kissing him, and then he just, like, gushes this blood all over, and it just, like, ends the mood. And I was like, oh, I think I see what happened there, but that was real weird. I feel so dumb now. <laughs> I didn't make that connection. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Just like, this is bizarre. Yeah, and then she was like really into having blood on her. Yeah, she was that's all what like, "I done on." She's like, "Oh, this is great." I'm like, "That's a random person's blood. That's gross." I had uh, I had seen somewhere like a little review, and I was looking up because I had to like rent this from Amazon. So I was looking up where to find it, and one little thing I saw, they were like, "Yeah, this movie's great until the last ten minutes." So I was wondering what could happen in the last ten minutes, and I was really hoping it was like a from dusk till dawn thing. And she was going to, like, turn into a vampire in the last ten minutes. And, like, that that her being so into blood was going to be, like, our first clue to that. <laughs> but she did not, in fact, turn into a vampire. Or did she? It, it is called Kill Me Again. That would have made it more... <laughs> <Perfect>. like... <laughs> uh, it was um, inconclusive whether she died at the end. That's true. Could have been another fake. We'll never know. Gas doesn't explode like that when you run into it, so... <laughs> Probably another fake. Yeah. Uh, a little tidbit I noticed is when Val Kilmer is in the airport trying to track down the girl, there's, like, the guy at the counter, and right behind him is a sign that just says Oklahoma City. So yeah. I was like, all right, represent Oklahoma City and in this Val Kilmer movie. It was Flight 405. There you go. All right. I don't know if that was on purpose, but... Oh, oh I remember what I was going to say about the blood. My other thought about that was, like, you can just go, like, buy blood. Why didn't Rosamund Pike do that in Gone Girl? That seems way easier. <laughs> I know. I, I also thought of Gone Girl <laughs> during that whole – I was like, this is 
This is no Gone Girl, let me tell you that, with how elaborate the death faking was. I, I think, uh, point over true, but, like, 1989 was, like, before genetics for yeah. crime solving. And clearly, 2014 is after it, so. It would I need... assume blood being human cells has genetic material in it. Yeah. At the time, they were like, we can test for blood type. And if it's the same type as the victim, we'll just assume that's good enough. Oh, you said there were two weird sex scenes. Oh, yeah. The other one, later, they're at, like, a cabin by the lake. And they, like, start making out. And it's, like, sunny outside. And then you start hearing, like, thunder and lightning. And then it flashes forward to it being a little bit later. And now it's, like, storming and stuff outside. So their, like, making out session, like, brought the thunder, apparently. But then they're just, like, doing it next to an open window where, like, all this rain is coming in on them. And I'm like, is this how sex works? <laughs> it made me question everything I know. I was like, we didn't cover this <laughs> in middle school. Like, why is... Have I been doing this wrong? <laughs> why are they... Why are they by this open window with rain coming in on them? <laughs> Bringing the thunder and sex it definitely made me think of, like, how it is, is it for Thor? But... <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that scene is just there was, like, money, like, thrown about in their lovemaking session. They're just apparently throwing it around, which, now that I'm saying it out loud, makes perfect sense. So yeah. I retract my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, that one cool. There's, like, making it rain, the money, and then there's making it rain with the actual rain. And I don't think you need the actual rain part. Oh, hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast here, but at this point, Tyler's laptop died, and he had to switch over to a desktop computer, which was not quite up to snuff. And the audio for the last half of this podcast is kind of rough, and I did the best I could to salvage it. So sorry that after promising such great audio for this podcast episode... Uh, the last half still ended up being kind of weak. Sorry, it'll be better next week. Alright, back to the podcast. So yeah, weird sex happens in the movie. Again, I really thought this movie was going to be worse. We've kind of been thinking about how much we hated it, but yeah. I thought it was still watchable. I thought it was going to be like super awful. It definitely deserves its reputation of no one having ever hearing. <laughs> no one ever hearing of it. I'm like, I don't know what this says about how good the movie is, but I did pause the movie halfway through to watch a remix of a Limp Biscuit song. So you can take That's pretty damning. <laughs> you can take from that what you will about how good this movie was. Really, I think my problem was that the movie was just nothing but tropes and it didn't really like do anything interesting with them. In fact, like we already kinda mentioned, it just like lays them out on the table. Like Femme Fatale you expect is going to be like a reveal yeah but it was just like she's dangerous and that we knew what her lie was from the beginning yeah and then it wasn't even that big and it never really explains why val kilmer falls in love with her other than the fact that they're married in real life at the time every man in this entire world is just smitten with her she is just of the bee's knees as they say i believe at the time 1989 yeah Multiple characters are like, oh yeah, you never forget someone like that, because she's so pretty, but there's... You don't see very many pretty women 
alone in Reno, Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty rare occurrence that we remember. But I was trying to go through and think of like all the like tropes that are in this movie. I mean, it starts off with him stealing money from the mob. That's a, a thing. He's a private eye who's like in debt and needs like one big job to get out of debt. So that's the whole reason. Um, he has a dead wife that he feels responsible for her death. I think what else? Just the the scenes themselves of the getting strong armed by the police. Yeah. Getting strong armed by the mob. Oh, one thing I wasn't sure about was like the weird emphasis on Native Americans in this film. Yeah. And that when he's ditching the car from the initial like death faking, his partner in crime shows up and is like, "I hear this used to be like an Indian burial ground, and there are ghosts around." Which again was hyping me up for the fact that I thought this was going to turn into a vampire movie at the end. <laughs> but that was not to be. And then, like, at the end, they end up hiding, like, the money on an Indian reservation and have to go through there, and then these, like, two super-friendly Indians come and rescue Val Kilmer. And I wasn't wasn't really sure why all that, like, was so... I don't know, it just it seemed, like, really prominent, but they didn't have an explanation for it. Like, I'm wondering if there was... Something that got left out. Some explanation for a while that stuff happened. But who knows. Oh, one of my favorite things about this is the fact they steal this money. And the reason everybody knows that it's the mob's money is because they wrap the money with green rubber bands. (laughs) Like, nobody else in the world has access to green rubber bands in 1989. Only the mob has the technology to create (laughs) green rubber bands. It's not a bad hint, you know. Someone flashing a lot of money, you know, in those same rubber... Who else keeps their money in rubber bands? I mean, that's a pretty good point, I guess. It's a weird thing for them to kind of key in on, but I'm just like, they're the mob, they're used to this. (laughs) They get ripped off constantly. Uh, I can't remember if this was the person I was watching it with, or the movie, but there's a moment of like... I think it was the movie, she was like, I don't know how they got this money... The mob from out of the back of casinos. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a mystery. You don't understand how that was accomplished. <laughs> They're like, yeah. Are you familiar with what mobs and casinos are? This is money that the mob somehow got from this casino. <laughs> that's like almost verbatim what she says when she's describing the money. What a mystery. I do like that at one point, uh, like Val Kilmer's partner basically flat out says, this girl is an idiot. And Val Kilmer kind of agrees and then still falls in love with her. <laughs> she comes up with, like, the worst alias. <laughs> yeah. And the they, guys... like, give her an alias and he, he, they try to find her because he, he stiffs them on five grand of her $850,000 after giving them the first five grand. Yeah. And after killing her, give her an alias. And they can't find that name in Vegas. But if you change three letters, they found that name in Vegas. <laughs> It was something like her name was like Billings, and then she, but she goes under the name Billingsworth or something. It was Billings Lee. Yeah. And it went from like Val to like Valerie yeah. or something. It's like, oh, we'll never find you under that name. Maybe that's Val Kilmer's first name is why I thought Val. But uh, her original name is Faye, and that is the most femi fatale of all possible <laughs> names in the universe. If you're ever. Bonus 
life advice. If you're ever a PI and someone named Faye comes to you for help, be prepared for some shit yeah. to get down. Nothing good happens when a Faye walks in the door of a private investigator's office. Oh, I remember one of my favorite scenes was when they get to Reno and then uh again I hypothesize that parts of this movie were paid for by like the city of Vegas and the city of Reno because there's extended sequence of like you like gambling? Well, we got gambling. We got slots. We got craps. We got blackjack, horse racing. It just like does this montage of all the different ways you can gamble in Reno, and it lasts for like a minute and a half, and then it finally gets back to the plot. And then, oh yeah, uh, another big stupid plot point is that she writes his name and number on the back of a matchbook, and then that's how, like, after he fakes her death. The cops find him because his name and number are written on the back of a matchbook. And I kind of don't believe that matchbooks even exist. <laughs> they did then, right? 89? Eh, they probably did. They were saying B's and E's. They had matchbooks <laughs> all over the place. It was a simpler time. Yeah. They're all going to them sock hops and... No one knew how mobs worked. <laughs> it was a young time in our country's history. When did Goodfellas come out? 91? 91, yeah. So Goodfellas he knows like 94, 95. Okay, so Goodfellas hadn't come out yet. No one knows how the mob works at this point. So that is a thing that happens in Godfather. Nope. <laughs> Nobody knows how the mob works. <laughs> I stand corrected. How did how did Coppola like this movie? If the entire time he had to be thinking like, did they not watch The Godfather? Like, Well, if that's the case, he's not enjoyed a movie since Goodfellas. <laughs> or before. I assumed he liked Goodfellas. That's a question we need to answer. Yeah, I do want to know the answer to that question. Coppola, would you rather watch Goodfellas or Kill Me Again? Please weigh in on this for us. Well, he didn't give uh, Nick Cage away to Scorsese after it, so I think we have our answer. Here we go. Oh, also surprisingly cool with killing the second person was our private investigator hero. <laughs> that Okay. Figures we got into this line because the taking her to the highway patrolman was the dumbest thing. Because they're like sitting there and she's like crying for a while. And then a highway patrolman stops by and is like, is there a problem here? This car that is weirdly parked in front of us. And he's like, oh no, she's just a little upset. He's like, fair enough. I'll be on my way. It's like nothing to see here. Women, right? You pull into our office, they get upset. It happens all the time. Yeah, that was strange. Um, I guess I do want to talk a little bit about Val Kilmer's performance in general in this movie. And the fact that this is the most phoned-in Val Kilmer I have ever seen. I wonder if this is like honeymoon period or... Clearly, this isn't going to be a movie that is seen by a lot of people. You could tell yeah. that early on. It had a $4 million budget. Really? Yeah. So it was kind of a big deal. It did. I assume that's like pretty big for 89 debut feature budgets. Yeah. Did not look like it had much money behind it. But, like, I was wondering, I was hoping there was going to be more trivia available online about, like, whether he got involved in this movie just because his wife was involved in the movie or what because he did not seem to care one bit about what was happening and neither did we (laughs) 
So, uh, did we learn anything on the show tonight? I I came up with uh, a little bit of self-help advice, and that is um, to budget better so that you don't end up in a position where you owe $10,000 to the mob and thus have to fake a crazy woman's death. So. I, I would have taken that, if I were you, to rein in your gambling habit. <laughs> I don't want to get too crazy. <laughs> uh, let's just say, going to attempt to do some budgeting this week and see what happens. Uh, real quick, don't want to make light of people's gambling problems. <laughs> Serious problem. We don't have that, so we're not going to self-help through it. But if you do, there's resources. <laughs> With that in mind, um, I learned from the scene where they break his pinky, not only for not giving them their money, but for when they're searching through his place, going up and kicking one of the mobsters. Sometimes I have a little bit of anger issues, and uh, as a reminder... Keep them in check as best as possible. Keep your cool so you don't get your pinky broken. That's some good advice. I have to say, not kicking mobsters is something you want to... Keeping calm. Also, yes, specifically, don't kick a mobster. (laughs) I mean, that's some real practical advice that we can live by. That's that's all I'm saying. But yeah, so we'll... uh, We're going to try and keep our anger in check. We're going to maybe do a little bit of budgeting. This week, hopefully all of that will work out for us. You can probably skip Kill Me Again if uh, you're looking for Val Kilmer movies. Just watch Top Secret another time. Just don't watch this movie. It's probably probably not something you want to do. But do watch The Doors. Yes. I think. If I remember correctly. Yeah, watch The Doors because next week we're going to cover that. And I think we're going to have a special guest talk about The Doors with us. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be exciting. And in the meantime, you can check us out on Twitter at Valpals Podcast or on Facebook at Valpals. Let us know how you're becoming a better person yourself. Hopefully there's lots of Val Kilmer involved. And uh, we'll see you next week. Doodles. Doodles.